You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday. We have the Traeger fired up. Pulled pork today. I think Alan, the IT guy, put it on the Traeger for 12 hours. We'll take it off the Traeger a little bit later on today. Oh, that's right. Just Paulie and I here in the backroom guys. Fritzy, McLovin, Seton, good to have them on board. I was thinking of Memorial Day, and of course, you know what came to mind? Michael Jordan's performances on Memorial Day weekend, because this is playoff time. So I had the Stats Inc. guys go back, and I said, give me some Memorial Day weekends of Michael Jordan's career. 1989, the Saturday before Memorial Day, 46 points in a win over Detroit, including the game-winning jumper. 1990, on Saturday and then Memorial Day, Jordan had 47 and then 42 in two wins over Detroit. 1991, Memorial Day, Bulls finished a sweep of the Pistons. That was the infamous walking off no handshake game. 1993, Memorial Day weekend, Jordan had 54 points in a win over New York. 1996 Memorial Day, 45 points as the Bulls finished a sweep of Orlando. Speaking of Jordan, speaking of the Bulls, Sam Smith, who wrote the great book, The Jordan Rules, he will join us. We'll talk to him about the fallout here. What did he make of Michael Jordan saying Horace Grant was the snitch for the book? Sam will join us a little bit later on. Speaking of writers, Wright Thompson. Remember when I gave you a heads up for a great Christmas gift? That was, uh, I think, last year we had Wright Thompson on. And he had done profiles of Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Really a great writer. Gets a chance to really get immersed into somebody's personality. And they allow him to. And Wright Thompson has another book coming out. It's about Pappy Van Winkle. I think, I hope it's in time for Father's Day. Because trust me, this will be a great Father's Day gift. But uh, Wright Thompson will join us. He also just did another column, an article on Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan growing up. Uh, has a lot of details about Michael Jordan, the person. So Wright Thompson will join us coming up in the uh, second hour of the show. And I hope he can talk about this book, Pappy Van Winkle. It, it's, I think it's called Pappy Land. And if you're a bourbon drinker, Pappy is you know the Taj Mahal there. Uh, it's hard to get, and uh, the secondary market's crazy on Pappy Van Winkle. Crazy. And I don't think it's an expensive bottle of bourbon when you buy it. If you can buy it, it's when somebody else gets it, and then they put it up on the secondary market. Then it can go for a couple of thousand dollars. Chris Weber, NBA on TNT. C. Webb will join us. We'll get his thoughts off the uh, Jordan documentary. He always has stories when he joins us, and he certainly has some stories about Michael Jordan. I believe, and we have to find this out. McLovin, can you check? I think Chris Weber was on the Bullets when LeBradford Smith was on the Bullets or the Wizards. And that's when Mike, you know, singled out LeBradford Smith for saying, hey, nice game. And, uh, you know, he created this rivalry with poor LeBradford Smith and then torched him uh, the next time they, they played one another. But I think LeBradford Smith and C. Webb were on that team when Mike singled out LeBradford Smith. All righty. Uh, welcome to the program. Glad we made it this far. And uh, you can be involved in the program a variety of ways. There's chat row. You can also dial us up. You can watch. You can email. You can tweet. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. And listen on uh, the Fox Sports Radio lineup. 
And, of course, 362 radio affiliates around the country. This program is brought to you by Traeger. They want to help you make this summer a tasty one. And with a real wood-fired flavor, the next level versatility, six-in-one versatility. We talk about five-tool players. They're a six-tool player. Traeger Grills, that's the ultimate way to cook. Contact your local dealer or visit TraegerGrills.com slash DP show to get yours today. McLovin will have a poll question. We got a stat of the day, got a play of the day coming up as well. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world. Obviously, there's a lot going on in our country. But for a certain portion of sports fans, there are stories that we will click on no matter what. Everybody loves a good mock draft, whether it's the NBA and that draft coming up, uh, the NFL with the mock draft for next year. And then you have NFL rule changes. Those aren't far behind. Because when you think about the impact rules have in the NFL on our lives, every single Monday we come in here and we're usually talking about a situation that was either right or wrong because of a rule, a rule change. Now, the owners are set to vote next week on two big ones. First, the Sky Judge. And I hope they call it the Sky Judge. Don't lawyer this up and give me some silly term. I want Sky Judge. I want somebody to have a business card that says Jimmy Lipper, Sky Judge. Now, we're going to love the Sky Judge until the Sky Judge screws up. But he or she is supposed to be up there helping the officials on the field. With the amount of grief that officials receive, it makes a lot of sense. The league is also considering an alternative to the onside kick. It was a couple of years ago where NFL officials said, if we could take the kickoff out of the game, we would take the kickoff out of the game. This was said to me. And I said, well, what are you proposing? We want to keep moving the kickoff up so all you have are touchbacks. I said, okay. And I said, well, what about punts? He said, we can't do anything about punts. They're trying to cut down on the number of collisions. And that was the word that he used, collisions. Because the punt return has a lot of collisions in it. The kickoff, I don't know what the percentages are of you know kicks returned, but they're, they're trying to eradicate that. They're, they're trying to, if you said it went down to zero returns, I think the NFL would be happy. But now you have the onside kick. There's no run-up because they want to cut down on collisions. Therefore, very little success in an onside kick. Now they're talking about a team would keep the ball after a score. Instead of the onside kick, they would have to convert a fourth and 15 from their own 25-yard line. And if they don't, the opposition gets the ball, and obviously you're in the red zone there. You can kick a field goal at worst. We'll see how the owners vote. I have no intel on this. I have not had anybody say, hey, this is going to pass. I, I was told Sky Judge makes a lot of sense. I don't know where everybody's... This might be gimmicky to people and the owners. I don't know that. But the rule change would allow a team to do this only twice in a game. That would give you know a, the competing team a chance to attempt to retain possession without going through the motions of the onside kick, which is what the NFL wants. I don't know if it's going to turn into a mess. Uh, they're also getting rid of the review of the pass interference plays, which I didn't want in the first place. Um, the NFL's done a good job this offseason. When you think about it, full speed ahead, going to have the draft. All right, virtual draft. We can still pull it off. You know, we're going to release the schedule. All right, 
No worries here. Just kind of easing along here. Hey, maybe we start the season a little bit later. Maybe we don't. We're going to get the players in camp. Uh, uh, you know, I talked to somebody in the medical community who works with the NFL about different ways to construct visors, the face mask. How can you have it where there's some protection there? They're, they're doing their best moving forward here, still garnering headlines. But this is what we talk about. We talk about rule changes. We talk about calls every single week. That Monday, we're always looking back on something that happened. You know, we've had these changes with the kickoffs. The onside kick is recovered at a rate of around 10% the last two seasons, including just over 7.5% in 2018. The lowest since such data became available in 1992. Well, there's a reason for that. If there's no run-up, you can't get a running start here when you kick the ball 10 yards. And this was in the, uh, the XFL where, or the Alliance of American Football. You know, they, they were trying to do something like this. In that season, the short-lived season, the ball was placed at a team's own 28-yard line for a 4th and 12 attempt. The Broncos brought this up. That concept has been out there for a little over a year. The Broncos presented a variation off of this, but I think that's based off the XFL because the Broncos said put it at the 35-yard line. Teams propose rules, so you'll see this where the Eagles propose this rule. The Patriots propose this rule. This was something the Broncos had. Now it looks like they're going to back up the ball to the 25-yard line, and it's likely to be approved. Looks like it's more than likely to be approved. It feels gimmicky to me, but it's weird how receptive I am to anything right now. Like, if you just said, hey, football's coming back and they're going to have this, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. Just bring me football. Now, once the season starts, I'll be like, who came up with this stupid rule? But if you have this, and I'd, I'd be curious what some of the players are thinking about with this, what coaches you know, an offensive-minded coach, a defensive-minded coach, what would they be thinking about this? But getting rid of the kickoff, all right. You know, in 2010, there were 2,033 kickoff returns league-wide. In 2019, there were 938. These were kicks returned. I'll read that to you one more time. In the year 2010 there were just over 2,000 kickoff returns league-wide. This past season, same number of games, there were 938. If they could take this down to 500, 400, they would be thrilled. You want to have a kickoff to start the game. Instead of, and I still maintain that one of these days, they're going to, you know, there's, there's going to be the 25-yard line. You just start on the 25-yard line. I like a kickoff. I just don't want a touchback. And, and that's what, when you think about it, how many times do you go, oh, kickoff? We used to get excited about this because there were guys who made careers out of being a great kickoff return man. Now, odds are it's a touchback. Taking it out of the equation. You know, think about some of these guys who were great at doing this, kickoff returns. Devin Hester is probably a Hall of Famer, because of the kickoff. He wasn't a great every-down player, wide receiver. I don't know where he stands with the Hall of Fame, but as far as return men, he became a household name because of that.
Returned one in the Super Bowl. But that's where we're headed. And I don't know if people are going to like it. You might like it because it, it is interesting. You know, we're, we're adding more excitement to the game. I don't know if we need to add more excitement to the game. It feels like we're doing well with the game. We've opened it up so offenses get to do whatever they want to do. That's what we wanted. You want more scoring in there that, you know, for gamblers, for uh, your fantasy leagues, you wanted that, you got it. Now, I don't know where it's headed after that with other rule changes. Sky Judge, I'm fine. If it helps the officials on the field, I'm fine with that. Because there are times when those officials don't want to, you know, intercede and go, hey, you made a mistake there. I still go back to that was the biggest mistake with the, the Rams and the Saints game was you had an all-star crew of officials. If you had the regular officials in the team that they have every single week, those guys would have trusted somebody who had their back. Nobody's going to embarrass anybody here. There's no egos involved because that was blatantly obvious. And that's where somebody comes in and says, hey, Tom, you missed it. I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that Sky Judge is going to be able to say, guys, let's huddle up here. We made a mistake here. And so that, I'm good with that. The fourth and 15 from the 25, I sure, why not? I'm not in an argumentative mood today. I'm good. I am. I am good. Going into Memorial Day weekend, I'm feeling good. Yes, McLovin. I can ruin it for you. Oh, no. One, two words. Okay. Pass interference. What okay. happens on fourth and 15 when a cornerback grabs the guy like they do 75% of the time? And it's going to be pass interference, and the, that's how the play is going to convert. I mean, that would be, I would say, almost more likely that it's a PI than a catch. Okay. So, well, is it pass interference? Well, every play is pass interference when you watch the NFL. It's just a matter of like cornerbacks and wide receivers jostle. It's gonna there are gonna be so many controversial <laughs> pass interference calls on this play. I'll leave that to the officials whether they're calling you know pass interference or not. Yes, he. The way the rules are going now, if there's pass interference on fourth down, what they'll do is they're going to take the ball, give first down on the other 25, but oh. you only get three downs for four <laughs> points, and then that's the new rule. Yes, Todd. I hate that rule. It's, it's beyond gimmicky. It's way too easy to convert a fourth and 15 compared to trying to get an onside kick. And who cares if the penalty is, the risk is the other team gets it 25 away. Usually when that's done late in the fourth quarter, you've lost if you don't pick up the onside kick. So who cares if it's 25 away or the other team's one yard away? You didn't get the onside kick, so game's done when they do it in the final minute or two desperately to get the ball back. Yeah, I just don't know if we need more excitement. I don't know the last time somebody said, you know, the NFL's just not that exciting. I, I, I know that we can't use the onside kick. I know that they want to take that out, you know, and now you, you can't, it, it's hard to convert it in the first place because I have no run up. I have to wait until the ball is kicked, hope it ricochets off somebody, and then I'm able to recover it. They just want to take, I'm waiting for them to take out the punt because the punt is violent. I think the punt is more violent than the kickoff because it feels like there are a lot of open targets there on the punt return, not necessarily the kickoff, you know, because if you look at the blocking, you know, 
how it, it, it kind of uh, unfolds in front of you, I don't think you have the same collisions you do with a punt. And you get those hits where somebody's not seeing it coming. There's more violence on a punt, but they, they can't take that out. But the kickoff, yeah, they would love to say goodbye to that and the onside kick. McLevin, you got a poll question? Well, it depends. You want to go NFL rules or mm. we have some Tiger Phil questions too. Paulie is hot on a couple things, NFL rules, about college rules. If you're going to put in rule changes, I'll let Paulie pitch them real quick. Okay. If you want to increase the excitement and the chance for comebacks in the NFL, there's a couple things you could do. You can make it one foot for catches, one foot in for catches. That means you're going to have much more offense in the NFL, and it'll be just like it is in college. Let me save it here because C-Webb is zooming in now. So let me take a break to be fair to him with his schedule, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this. Phone calls, more than welcome to take them today. 877-3DP-SHOW. It's uh, 18 after the hour. Chris Weber tells some Jordan stories next year on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. We'll talk to Wright Thompson, great ESPN writer, a little bit later on. Sam Smith, who uh, wrote The Jordan Rules, I'll get his thoughts on Michael Jordan saying Horace Grant uh, was the snitch for Sam Smith in all the uh, sort of backroom stories that uh, Sam unearthed about Jordan and the Bulls back then. So he'll join us in the final hour of the show. Man, it's not very often where I'm envious of somebody's man cave, but Chris Weber joining us now. I don't know how you describe that home gym, C-Web, but man, that looks like it's right out of a movie set. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I borrowed it from Hoosiers, but no, um, tell you what, it's pretty, but it doesn't get any more use anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so it looks good. It's, it's like a prop, but nobody's in there in the lab working. I don't know if anybody's had a good game in here probably in about eight years. So it's been a while. Best player who's played in there besides you. Oh, Rip Hamilton, uh, Matt Barnes, Rip, Rip Hamilton, probably. Rip, he used to, he used to make this his place a lot. So, uh, Rip, this is Rip's gym. Man, that is sharp looking right out of a movie. Um, all right, the documentary on Michael Jordan. What stood out to you when you watched? Assuming you watched. Yeah, I watched. Actually, I've been watched uh, the last three days. I I couldn't watch during the beginning because. After the first episode, I didn't see it was so much debate. I was just like, I'll go crazy as a Jordan fan, staying up to the moment on this. So I just waited. And um, it was everything, you know, that I thought and more uh, great, you know, for some disappointing at times. But I was the biggest Michael Jordan fan that there was. And, um, you know, it just it just uh, made you feel good about those moments in your life the things that you were doing at those times, the best memories that you had and attached those to kind of Michael Jordan's life soundtrack. So it was pretty cool to watch. Anything bother you? I mean, you know, I'm a Pistons fan, you know, so <laughs> um, not necessarily between him and Zeke, you know, because because I know that, that they have their thing and Zeke is definitely a, a mentor and a, and a, and a friend. And uh, I only had hoped Jordan would be that, you know, growing up. But the, the narrative on the Pistons, um, just being bully ball. It, it was funny to me because if you really look at it, New York, the next 
team was trying to be the Pistons, right? But yeah. they didn't have Lambeer, who was shooting threes. I think he made three, four, five three-pointers in a quarter. So it wasn't just like come down, post up. They didn't have that team, you know. So um, I, I thought the Pistons were a lot smarter than they were depicted. But at that time, the rules were rough. And uh, but as a as a Pistons fan, I didn't I didn't mind them walking off tiptoeing by the Bulls and all that. I, I didn't care. I, I, I didn't care. But I enjoyed the doc. And uh, probably my favorite part was uh, him uh, winning the championship. Uh, two of my favorite moments. Uh, KG winning the championship, saying anything's possible. And uh, Jordan, when he won the championship uh, and he was holding it and uh, you knew his father wasn't there. I remember watching that game with my father. I remember how big of a moment it was. And uh, it it still plays as big that many years later. What was it like, though, that first time you step on the floor with a guy that you've idolized and now all of a sudden he's right there in front of you? Okay, so... Like, say, with him, Barkley, you know, Bird, the greatest players that I looked up to, whether it was because I first got a chance to play against Jordan at the Dream Team. And I'm, I'm telling you, in the huddle, my eyes are watering, looking at other guys like this is our moment. And um, Wait, you're crying? My eyes are watering. I'm not crying, but, I mean, I guess I, I'm holding tears back. But this is a moment, you know. I'm yeah. playing against my hero. I mean, it's Larry Bird, Jordan. <laughs> Malone and Barkley over there, man. You know, and I'm looking at Grant Hill. I'm looking at Rodney Rogers and, um, uh, you know, Hurley. And we're all looking like, man, this, yeah, this is, yeah, we're here. This is that moment we'll never forget. And um, so playing against Jordan and all those greats, you know, we grew up on them. So the only way to honor them is to act like or to do what they put in you and instilled in you. So even though you're the biggest fan, there's no time for, hey, Jordan, I love you, because that's not what he would want. There's no time for that with Barkley. So what you try to do is emulate what they would have done on the court. And um, that's just try to fake it like you're tough until you get off and call your dad and be like, man, I played against Jordan. <laughs> Did you get embarrassed? Uh, no, nah, we, we beat the Dream Team the first day, and then uh, the next day we didn't score. So <laughs> we, we got embarrassed, but after we got embarrassed after we reached the mountaintop, so we didn't care, man. But this was summer of 92. Is that right? It like, was my going into my sophomore year after my freshman year, I believe, yes. And then yes. You, so it's a group of college all stars against the Dream Team scrimmaging. Yeah, Danny, you had to realize, I mean, I, I know you know the context, but. Um, I wanted to play in the Olympics. Yeah. You know, we thought we were pretty good, but the teams before that, we had discussed it kind of uh, with lackluster. And so we, you know, it wasn't our chance. And so I'm talking to Coach Daly and um, David Stern and them just saying how important this moment is in history and how our favorite players are going to be the ambassador for basketball around the world. We kind of understood, yeah, kids like us are. They'd rather see this than us, so we'll wait our turn. But um, we knew it was a, we knew it was a big moment, man. But uh, watching Jordan, you going in his room, seeing the music he played, watching him play Tunk, um, Scottie Pippen taking us to dinner. Um, it was just what I learned playing against the Olympic team was that the NBA players really are fans of the college players, and they really want you to come in and do well, just not against them. And so it was cool. <laughs> it, it, it was cool, you know, seeing their generosity, but also feeling the wrath of that anger after you uh, after you run out the gym up one and coach turns the clock off and, and the lights off. What did you think when Leitner got that spot on the Dream Team? I thought that Shaq was a better player, would be a better player, but Christian Leitner was by far a better 
college player. Christian Leitner is Kareem. Christian Leitner, in, in my age group, my demographic for players that I've seen, is the best college player to step on the floor, period. And so I wanted some of him in those practices and scrimmages, but it was Barkley, Malone, and other guys. But I, I, didn't, I didn't feel any type of way. I thought it was a good political move for the NBA, a college player, four years, was going to be a high draft pick. And again, I mean, Christian Leitner got buckets and went to championships. So we got to put that in perspective. Christian Leitner is one of the best college players that we've ever seen in this game. Yeah, I agree with you on it. I just didn't know how, how competitive that final spot was for college players. And as you said, Shaq should have been up for it. You could have been up for it. But Leitner is one of the more decorated college players of all time. And, you know, we always look at, hey, how did he do as a pro? It's like the guy who wins the Heisman, Chris. And then they go, yeah, but he wasn't a good pro. Therefore, it diminishes what he did in college. And I always say Leitner was a better than average. He was a borderline good player, NBA player, good player in the NBA. He was great in college. He manned up every time. You needed a big shot, big game. He never backed down from anybody from you guys to Larry Johnson, UNLV, whatever the challenge was, Leitner stepped up. And he didn't back down to the NBA because people were trying to give him that work that they owed him from college his whole time <laughs> in the league. So, no, he, 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 he did a great job. I just think we have to really remember the context of that time, and I know you guys know. Remember, Shaq should have started the All-Star game. I mean, he should have started the All-Star game his rookie year. And remember that Patrick Ewan and those guys said no rookies start the game. I mean, back then it was such a pecking order yeah. that um, Shaq freed us from. <laughs> you, you know, when Shaq, after he did that, what do you see? Other guys come in, then you see Yao getting the most votes, even though, yes, yeah, international, but it still wasn't um, – it, it wasn't anybody saying, oh, you can't do that because it was the business of basketball. And, and we're like, come on, bring the best. And, and no matter what age they are, you don't have to be in the league this long to be an all-star. All you got to do is, is go to work right now. He's Chris Weber, five-time all-star, NBA on TNT analyst, former NBA all-star. You've told us some Jordan stories uh, when you guys faced them in the playoffs. Uh, didn't he, did he drive up and did he have a Ferrari or Lamborghini? And, and was he waiting for you guys on the team bus? So, Dan, I'm very happy that they showed Jordan with the cigars as much as he smoked. Yeah. Because I've told this story. I think I told you guys, and no one wants to believe it, because a Cohiba, I mean, try playing golf. <laughs> a second nine is terrible if I smoke a Cohiba on no, the first. No, it, it'll make you dizzy. You get lightheaded. Come on. I mean, I, I knew baseball players that dipped. I knew, uh, like, that is real. And so, yeah, we're coming in. I don't I – don't, want to mess it up with missing out on what game it was, but we're playing against the Bulls, the best team ever, 72. Uh, Juwan uh, from Chicago worked out with Jordan a lot. I'm a big fan of Jordan. And I knew, like, with him, you don't put on a blindfold and a cigarette. Like, just open your eyes and take it and enjoy the moment. Just, <laughs> just, just go. And so I really feel I'm a really good teammate because – I, I was always about my teammates. That was my goal, like to get you the ball to make sure because they do so much for you. And this is the one day I wasn't a good friend or a teammate. We get, we pull into the Bulls Arena right up under there where you're parking. You can see little restaurants and everything and getting off with my suit and my bag, you know, in and, and, and game mode. And Jawan is in front of me walking off the bus. I'm talking junk to him, whispering in his ear. And we get off the bus and directly across, 
like a cartoon, like a, like a movie, like Shaft. Yeah, he was like Shaft. <laughs> like Jordan was sitting back on the Ferrari, smoking a cigar before the game. And this and this series, I think they we played them three games and they only beat us by seven points total. So we thought, you know, we thought we were high stuff. And um, he, we get off and uh, he goes, hey, Webb, who's checking me? And I looked at Jawan. And we both looked back at Calvert Cheney and did like this. Uh, that was so whack of us, man. That was so wrong of us, man. And I think he gave us 53, 55 or something, <laughs> something like that. It was so crazy. I remember telling Juwan when uh, Jordan was on the free throw line, I was like, he sold his soul. He sold his soul to the devil to be good in basketball. And he looked at me like, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. You weren't on the team with LeBradford Smith, were you? When when Mike singled him out, were you still at Michigan? Yeah, I was still at Michigan. Oh, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't there for that beatdown. Poor LeBradford Smith. He didn't do anything. Other, <laughs> he said, "Nice game," and then Mike used that as a slight. And did he really even say nice game? Who knows? Somewhere the Bradford Smith has a son going, Dad, why'd you say that to Mike? He's like, son, listen, I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the best competitors ever. And I, and I tell you what, it was um, it was, a, it was an honor to compete against him and, and Kobe in the same way because everything was on the table. You knew, their, you, you knew their incentive, their ulterior motives, their motivation. You just honestly knew what it was, and it was rather refreshing to know this is what you're going up against. You would start thinking about him three, four games before you started to play him, and um, all you wanted to do is beat him and and win every possession. So if you did get a steal, you better talk junk and enjoy that moment because whether you do or don't, he's going to come back and take it out on you anyway. So it, it was it was an honor to play against, in, in my opinion, you know, the greatest of all time. And also, you know, people want to make this comparison with LeBron and Michael. And I said, if you want to make a comparison, make the comparison with Kobe because they are similar. LeBron is not close to Michael as far as his approach to the game, his personality. Kobe was an alpha dog. I mean, he, but he learned from Mike as he said, hey, I'm, I'm who I am because of Michael. He wanted to be Michael. LeBron can't be Michael. He's more magic than Michael. But we keep trying to, hey, we got to have this conversation, this debate, this argument. Yeah, and yeah. and it's, it's hard to debate that. I, I could debate Kobe and Mike more than I can LeBron. Yeah, you definitely can. I can, too, because we all know that Kobe wanted to be Mike, the vulnerability, um, you know, talking like Mike, the interviews, everything's a challenge. I used to tease him about and he wanted that. Um, and I, I really think we need to appreciate the evolution of players, because if if it wasn't for Magic, there'd be no LeBron, in my opinion. Magic 6'9", dribbling the yeah. ball, LeBron the same way. LeBron makes the correct basketball play, and yet, He's been criticized every single time. You know, there were some things in the doc that exposed Mike's attitude, and whether you like it or not, that's your opinion. And we see LeBron's attitude every day, whether he trusts Kyrie for a last shot or some would say need him for a last shot, but Jordan said he needed Pippen. So, you know, to me, LeBron is a mixture of Michael and Magic because he has the athletic ability of Michael and the willingness to pass and get others involved uh, like magic. And it was something that we, we really hadn't seen. And I think I heard Pippen or someone say when LeBron has the ball, everyone on the floor is open because you have to watch start guarding him. But you also have to watch your man and not let LeBron be a decoy by having the, all the eyes on him. So I, I agree with you. It's an unfair comparison. And uh, but I tell you what, uh, all three of those guys are 
They're they, pretty they, good. They, they, they're pretty good. Okay. Give me a Kobe story I don't know. Wow. A Kobe story you don't know. I, I don't know how good of a story this is, but not to, to waste time thinking about it. I remember, um, don't know what year it was. Uh, it was the Afro Kobe. Um, <laughs> it was Afro Kobe. He was, Paulie, he was wait, hold on, Chris. Uh, Paulie, check the Afro Kobe. What year I that would have been? I think that's 99. Yeah. I think it's 99, that, but I'll check. Okay. So that's a good stats. You know, you know the guy. But uh, he had, the year before, he had been criticized or someone said something about him being weak in the fourth quarter. It was We went to dinner or something, and he brought this up, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, we're really going to talk about this now? And so, whatever. It was in passing. And so, we played them. Um, Sacramento, we used to, always used to play them in the preseason in Vegas or something. And so, I hadn't seen Kobe in a while, and he texted me or something. And uh, we run it out. We run a play, the first couple plays of the game. And he comes by, bang! And he hits me real hard. I'm looking at him like, what's wrong with you, man? Comes back, bang! He hits me real hard, just... <laughs> And so at halftime, he's like, you feel that? I'm getting stronger, right? I'm getting stronger, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I mean, it was from our conversation. I think the greatest thing about those is like how I've heard that a great pitcher, you have to not have a great memory. You know, you can't remember the guy that hit a home run on you. You only focus on the next one. The great things about those guys, they never let anything go. Even if it is, um, like I used to have a superstition that you can't have a superstition. That was my only superstition. If you play a great game in these shoes, so what? Don't play in them again because nothing can get in your mind. Like, so what? The shoes didn't do it. And for Kobe and Jordan and those guys, I think that their memory um, and motivation, their memory came from their motivation, even if it was off a successful game, challenging themselves to outdo that game last time. And so it's definitely a winner's mentality with those kids. With we, those playing, guys. we playing basketball here soon? I was going to ask you. I hear so much. I, I, I don't. I don't know. What do you think? I think they're going to try to pull this together in Orlando and maybe use Vegas for the West Coast teams. But it feels like you only get one shot at this, Chris. You know that's the thing. They and you got to do it right because if somebody tests positive or something goes wrong here, then the season's done. So I I like that the commissioner stayed quiet. Haven't heard yeah. anything from him in three weeks, and that's a good thing. I, I I get the feeling they're gonna they're gonna give this a go here in the next couple of weeks. Try to get them to get everybody together. Well, I, I love the fact that our league and our players union stay in constant contact. I think we have great leadership from Chris Paul and uh, from Silver on both sides. I do, uh, Dan. I do worry about it. Um, I would like to see, regardless of this year, I would like to see the season, and I've stated this many times, start uh, in December. Yeah. Around Christmas so we don't have to compete so that we can with football so we can take about 10 to 15 to 20 games off so that old guys like myself can quit complaining saying, oh, you, you know, Jordan played 82 games. Rest doesn't matter. I think, you know, this moment in time could be the line in the sand. And with LeBron, he's the ultimate. He's not even a basketball player. He's an ambassador. <laughs> so, you know, being that he played 82 games, him being the guy that comes in and now plays 70, now plays and ushers in this new era, I, I think would be cool. I'm more worried about or more looking forward to the product next year. Um, I would be excited if basketball is played this year, but guys have not been playing. So we're going to see a little rustiness with that. What do you do with teams that could make it in? If a guy like myself that's been in 15 years and each year is just one time to win a championship, yeah. even if I'm in 11th place, you got to let me try to play to get in the playoffs, or at least that's my argument. And so it's just um, 
man, I, I'm just not envious of the people in a position to make decisions now because, like you said, uh, one one thing goes wrong and uh, it, it won't be good. But I do trust the league and I, and I do trust the players to to make sure they put their best efforts forward in whatever the decisions made. Chris, it's always great to talk to you. We appreciate your time. Hope you're feeling well, and uh, hopefully we get some basketball. Y'all aren't quarantined like all in, all in the same house? Like, like y'all weren't staying together since, like, March? I thought y'all be living together like three months. That's a reality show, you know what I mean? And we get to see y'all in the studio. No, y'all not? No? No, no, no. no. There would be murder. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah that, we couldn't do it. Yeah, it wouldn't be good for no, Dan Patrick to murder the No, it wouldn't. The, the or, 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 be, or be murdered. Yeah, that's probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or they'll just duct tape you and just have it hold you for ransom. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's Chris Weber. We'll take a break. Uh, phone calls, play of the day coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show couple of phone calls here settle on a poll question i love chris weber i think he's a great guest he never you know he's told the jordan story where he gets you know they get off the bus and jordan's waiting there with his uh sitting next to his lamborghini smoking a cuban cigar and he told the story and added something else to the story that he didn't uh, tell us five years ago he's great really is a lot of fun ted in tampa leads us off this morning hi ted what do you have for me today yeah, hey, Dan, uh, you probably already know it, but uh, on Memorial Day, all the members of our special operations community that don't have a mission on Monday night will be doing the uh, Lieutenant Mike Murphy workout uh, in honor of uh, Mike Murphy, who was killed, awarded the Medal of Honor, Operation Red Wings, the movie Lone Survivor was, was made about that. Uh, and from what I was told, uh, Paulie's going to be doing that with us. Uh, it's a one-mile run. Uh, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another one-mile run. Uh, Ted, I don't think you're talking about – you're not talking about my Paulie. Oh, I've I've already picked up his shirt, and I've already got his uh, runner's bid. Okay. So uh, I'll I'll mail that to you uh, you you. guys uh, on Monday. Thank you, Ted. Uh, Paulie – he can't be talking about you. I don't think so. Not the. I mean, I'll I'll do a few pull-ups, push-ups, but uh, I don't – I don't see you haven't run a mile this whole calendar year. A total of a mile. Total. I'm completely honest. Uh, All right. Some uh, NFL calls here on the uh, proposed rule changes. Doug in North Carolina. Hi, Doug. What do you have for me today? Well, two quick questions. First, and I was not intending to ask about this, but based on the way the Chris Weber interview ended, if the five of you guys really did home quarantine together, and if he did start murdering each other, who would be the last Dan at standing and breathing? But the the real reason I'm calling is I want I want to make sure I understood you correctly. I have a 15 year old son who's a huge Saint fan and is still bitter about that non call pass interference. Yeah. And then the NFL tried to correct it last year, and now they're going to get rid of their correction. And you said you're okay with that. I I just want to understand your thinking. I, I, I want the sky judge. No, the sky judge is what I, I want. Somebody who's part of the team. The, the, the problem I had with this is uh, you had all stars. You didn't have the regular team. You know, each week these guys have a team that they, you know, the team of referees. And then they're, they're together each week. And I just think ego got in the way of this official not asking for help or somebody. You can see somebody come down the sidelines and, 
you know, as if to say, hey, you know, we, we got to talk about this. And, and you can see where he's waved off. I think having somebody who will make a call or say, guys, huddle up. We missed something here. And I think ego got in the way where somebody didn't want to embarrass somebody. And that, you know, then we saw what happened after that. But uh, if they do it right, I just want it correct. That's all. You're there. You have an opportunity to correct something. If we can see it, you can see it. And you should be able to make the right call. And if you have the sky judge there who can help and he's not down on the field, but he's a big brother there. He's the eye in the sky to say, huddle up, guys. Let's talk about this. I think we missed something here. And gives, gives somebody an opportunity to look at it and say, yeah, that's interference. Or, no, that's not. But they missed helmet to helmet, and you missed the pa- – I mean, come on. There's no excuse for that. Now, that didn't mean you had to change the rule – Hopefully it'll clean it up. All right, one hour in the books, two more to go. Seton, Paulie, Fritzie, McLovin, yours truly here. Dan Patrick Show.